Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, I, I want to thank you, Joe. I want to share with you a couple of things as we begin this morning. Um, there's a reason you're here. Not at First Baptist Church because your car uh, drove into the parking lot and you parked here. There's a reason you're here, not to hear a pastor preach. The reason you're here, I hope, is to give God glory in your life and to realize that he, in, his, in His world that He created, He wants you to go ahead and understand that He has made a way for you. Just as Joe, Joe shared just a moment ago, that way ultimately and completely points to Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to share about the third of the patriarchs. We're going to share a little bit about Jacob. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open it to Genesis 28. And we're going to get the story of the real stairway to heaven. In 1970, Jimmy Page, along with Robert Plant, wrote a song that was a headline of the fourth album that they produced of the English rock group Led Zeppelin. The song was hailed as a breakthrough because it incorporated three areas that had not been identified in rock music. Arpeggio, folk rock, blended with hard rock that Led Zeppelin was known, known for. That song was Stairway to Heaven. Page would later become heavily involved in the occult. He owned a house from the English occultist Aleister Crowley. And for a while he owned the largest bookstore in the world that was dedicated to occult sciences, Equinox. And, and... When they wrote this song, it was voted among rock aficionados as the third most important rock and roll song ever recorded. Now, here's a look. I was not always a Christian. I wasn't always a Baptist preacher. So this is okay to answer this accurately. How many of you all have ever heard that song? Raise your hand. Come forward and be saved immediately, all right? <clears throat> all right. There's a reason that this song, when we hear the word Stairway to Heaven, we hear this and we think of that song. But did you know that it's actually a story that is derived from a biblical story about Jacob? About a fellow that, that was one of the patriarchs of God's people mentioned in the Bible. Those three patriarchs are Abraham, the one that God promised he would give a, a, an inheritance of, of children and offspring that would be like the stars in the heavens. Isaac, this same child of Abraham and Sarah, that would go, go ahead and be told after he could not have children, it appeared with his wife, that he would be the forebearer of the great generations. And then the last, Jacob. Something you need to know about these three patriarchs. Later on, as, as God's people, Israel, began to fall farther and farther away from God, 
God has to identify Himself to them because they've been involved with so many other gods that He has to identify Himself, and He chooses to identify Himself by these three men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you can read in your Bible times where God will say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when the Israelites hear this, they go, oh, yeah, so you're not Baal, and you're not the God of Ashtaroth, you're, you're, you're that God, the one we're supposed to be following. Jacob's an important part of this. And for some of us here today, matter of fact, I would guess for every person that's in this room, Jacob's story of his life, how he received his inheritance, and how it put him on the run is a story that fits with what you and I go through in our daily walk. This is a story of running away and finding that God is already there when you have run away. Jacob is running away from his brother Esau who has sworn to kill him because he's stolen his inheritance. And he runs right into God's arms. The very arms that right now are open to you and me this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We stand to read God's holy word. This is in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Let me invite you to read with me if you would. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch me over this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you one-tenth. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. So why was, was Jacob running? You know the story. Jacob and Esau are born to Rebekah. And when, 
when they're born, Esau is born first. Now last week we talked about the fact that the firstborn child ends up getting two-thirds of the inheritance. In Jewish heredity, if you were a firstborn, it paid. It paid big. The other third of the inheritance would be divided between all of the other offspring, all the other siblings. So they got just a fraction of what the firstborn got. Esau is the firstborn. And as such, he's going to get the blessing. Now, as he's being born, and I'm not going to ask for volunteers here this morning to give me uh, descriptions of childbirth, but has anyone in here had twins? You had twins? I didn't know that. Was one of them holding on to the other's ankle as, as, as they... Nope. That happened to... Uh, that was Isaac and Esau. They ended up, they ended up holding, they ended up holding on to each other's. He held on to his ankle as he's being born. He was in conflict already with the brother who had just been born before. You're really lucky you didn't have. And by the way, I had no idea about that. You had twin girls, didn't you? Wow. See her immediately following church service for any information that I leave out. Isaac, I'm sorry. Jacob and Esau ended up going ahead and having this ongoing kind of feud from the very birth. And what ends up happening out of this is Jacob later on is being blessed by his mother. His mother kind of is like a helicopter parent who stays right with him, kind of guides him through everything. And as Isaac becomes older and older, his hearing and his eyesight become less and less accurate. And through deception, Isaac is brought, Jacob, boy, I'm going to get this right. Jacob is brought before Isaac and is said, Here, would you bless this your son who has come before you to receive his inheritance blessing? And Isaac blesses Jacob. Esau's not in the picture. And he comes back in and he finds out that the blessing has been given. And he didn't get it. And he should have gotten it. And because of deception, Jacob ends up getting this blessing. And Esau says, I'm going to go ahead and settle the score. If it can't be that I received the blessing that was robbed from me, I'll take care of that. And you know how I'm going to take care of that? I'm going to just go ahead and do it the old-fashioned mafia way. I'll hunt him down, and I'll take him out. That's why this story picks up with Isaac, with Jacob, on the run. He's a guy that is running from his brother who has vowed to kill him. And it's interesting when he gets to this point and he has this dream, an amazing thing happens. Jacob ends up going ahead and saying, this place that I thought was just a place that I was going to rest, this place is important. God met me here in a dream that I had. Because of that dream, I'm going to go ahead and make this the place that I met God. That I knew that God could take what I had as a past that caused me to be on the run and make this a place of blessing instead. You see, God uses imperfect people like Jacob and you and me to accomplish His perfect plan. There are no perfect people. God chooses to use flawed people like you and me 
so that those that see the work that's being done by them will realize it's greater than a mere man can accomplish. In your life and mine, God alone deserves the glory of all things. In your life and mine, all of our accomplishments, and I'm looking out at some of you, and I know you well enough to know the great things that you have done in your life, and you realize that that is something that God put in you to bring Him glory. Those of you that played football for Bear Bryant, those of you that studied and managed to go overseas and then come back so that you could treat animals, those of you that have started businesses and have done very well in them, in all of those things, God had put in you those abilities and gifts and was able to use those for His glory. Guys, remember, we who are imperfect serve a perfect God who has a perfect plan. And He wants to involve you and me in it. Like Jacob, all of us, the Bible says, have sinned and bear the curse of that sin. We have sinned and bear that curse. Guys, I don't need to tell you about what original sin was. That sin that is passed from Adam to all of us. And please listen to this. I, I, I talked with somebody this past week. Does a little bitty baby deserve to go to hell? A newborn, a, a ble- does, does that beautiful little baby that you have, does that child that you carry deserve to go to hell because of its existence? And I will share with you no. But we are stained by the sin of Adam. And that stain goes through us all the way. God provides a way for that little child, if it were to pass, to go ahead and be with Him. We find that with David in the story of Bathsheba. But guys, I'm here here to tell you that that sin that stained Jacob and you and me, it cannot be undone by good works or by things that we try to do that are religious or good. When Joe shared that song just a minute ago, and it began to talk about the fact that underneath every one of us, in fact, is God's presence and guiding steps to take us to the place that He wants us to be. That's your life. That is you. The thing to remember is not to look down to make sure that your footsteps are walking, but to look up at a God who loves you and wants to guide you, not by putting your feet exactly in the place that you should be, but by trusting that He will guide your steps, as the Word of God says, so that you'll end up in the very place that He intended you to be. And that is a place called heaven. And there really is a stairway that leads to it. Your sin and your past does not disqualify you. It doesn't disqualify you from becoming a part of God's great plan. This is the real miracle that leads you and me to the real stairway to heaven. You aren't exempt because of your past. There's nothing in your past that God is not aware of and can't forgive. He desires you more than anything else this morning. He desires you. He wants to begin that journey with you through His Son, Jesus. Jacob, as he rested his head on that stone, and as he awoke from the dream, realized this through all of an exhausted dream that one night. 
And you and I can realize it this morning with your eyes wide open. You see, the more fully that you and I can trust God with all that you have and all that you are, the more you can see His blessings and His plan. It's interesting what happens with Jacob. Jacob ends up going ahead and making a vow commitment. And it is a contractual vow commitment. It is an if-then clause. God, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to do all these things, the God that I've just met here, if you will do these things, and if you notice that, that those words that Jacob speaks to God, he said, if you'll take me all the way back home safely. Why? Because he has a brother who's ready to kill him. He said, everything that I've got is yours, God. I want you to think about this for a minute. God this morning wants to get involved in your life. Do you agree with that? He desires you. If He desires you, and you're a little bit hesitant about whether or not you should go ahead and make this commitment, are you willing to go ahead and make the commitment if you have a way out? An easy way out. Most of us in this room read contracts fairly clearly or we find an attorney to go ahead and read the contract for us and tell us if it's a good deal. When we read that contract, in contracts they generally they generally have a clause that is an opt-out of some at some point. If this condition is not met, then you, met, then you can go ahead and opt out. Essentially, what Jacob does is say this to God, if you'll go ahead and bring me back home to the place that I have wrecked, to the place in the family that I have torn apart, where my father doesn't like my mother anymore, where my brother is ready to kill me, if you can bring me back there, then I will go ahead and commit that everything I do will be yours. Everyone that I meet will hear about you. Guys, that's what Jacob did. And because of that, he ends up seeing again and again the blessings that God has for him. Blessings that would would take him past the problems of his past and into a place where God could go ahead and use him as one of the patriarchs. You see, Jacob had every reason to run from his past. But God wanted him to know, not about his past, but about his future plans for him. This morning, God has known every place that you've ever been and every word you've ever spoken. He has known everything that you have ever done. And the amazing thing about that is he loves you anyway. He has an amazing abiding love for you. And He chooses you to become His child. When He met with Jacob that, that, in that dream, just like His grandfather Abraham and His father Isaac, God gave Jacob the blessing and assurance that he would be protected and would prosper. Not because he earned it or deserved it, but because of who he was. This is a case, guys, really. We live in a world of connections. LinkedIn is a great, is a great little tool for connecting people to business. Over 70% of people that make business changes actually go through this one little 
this one little portal called LinkedIn. It's become kind of a, a phenomenon in business community for hunting people to come and work in your business. This is the Bible version of LinkedIn. It isn't what you've done. It's who you know. And the good news, folks, is who you know in Jesus Christ can make all of the difference in your, in your life when you have had problems in your past. The Bible says He takes your past and He separates it as far as east, I checked earlier, is from west. I'm getting this good. After 12 years here, I used to point like this, and I had a deacon come up to me and say, Larry, you're pointing north. That's not, that's not west. Okay, east is from west. The Bible says he remembers your sin no more. Why? Because God has a bad memory? No. Because he chooses to remember not what you have done, but what he has paid for with his son Jesus Christ. And he looks at you and me through the prism of that view. That's to give thanks for this morning. Jacob realized that, and he chose that he wanted to be a part of that. It is, in fact, who you know. You see, your future plans center around God's plan and His stairway to heaven, and that is Jesus. Jesus is that true stairway to heaven. There's a great verse that Jesus spoke to a man that was trying to figure out. He was in the Jewish leadership, and he was trying to figure out if, if this teacher was in fact the Messiah. And Jesus spoke these words to him, and I want to read them to you this morning. It is found in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 51. He said these words. He said, You believe because I told you and I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Then he speaks these words in verse 51. He says, Then he added, Very truly I, I tell you this, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like Jacob's dream? It's because it was. And Jesus becomes that stairway for you and me to get to a place that we cannot reach heaven on our own, but only through Him. What does this mean to you and me today? I hope you know that, you, that your past does not rule your future. In God's economy, what you've done in your past, what has happened to you, the hurts and the failures, the disappointments, all of those things God can handle. You need to go ahead and leave those at His altar this morning. They belong to Him, just like you belong to Him. Are you ready for that type of meeting with God this morning? Meeting with a God that can take you from your past to a place called heaven? I want to share with you one thing that as I was preparing this sermon, I got to thinking about, and it has to involve my friend Sam over here. I pick on Sam right and left because of you being, um, well, as Susie said earlier today, she said it does, it's not just for young, for young people, it's for old people too. Sam, I don't know if you're old. Are you old? Are you old? No? All right. 94 years, he's not old yet. 
Here's the deal. One day Sam will be old, and you will too, by God's grace. Most of us in this room, especially you all in the front pews here, are sitting there going, hey, that's a long way off. That's a whole lot of years ahead of me. We have a, a, a figure in our mind when old is. Old used to be 60. Old isn't 60 anymore. Let me tell you what old is. Old is when you say to God, I'm done. That's old. And it's interesting what happens here. We think of old people as dying and going to heaven. The Bible shares that God already knows how many days you have left. And you're one short as of this morning. If this were the last day of your life, would you have a stairway to heaven through Jesus? My hope and prayer is that you will. Jacob, hundreds of years before the coming of the Messiah, shared a dream that Jesus fulfilled, and he did it for you. That's the real stairway to heaven. Let's pray. Holy Father, this morning, I pray that we will be willing to not try on our own to reach heaven, to not do a good, enough good things and try to say enough prayers and, and try and somehow make ourselves more acceptable to You. But instead, Father, this morning, I pray that we would do as Jacob did. Even if it is in the slim faith of a prayer that somehow we think might not make it past the ceiling. Your ears are open to us. And you'd wait for that moment of faith when we say, God, if you would do this, if you could change my past and forgive it and guarantee me a future with you, I'm yours. There are some here today that need to make that very confession. Father, there are others that would say, you know, God, if there's a place in a family of faith that I can plug myself into to begin to walk with you, and to serve You, that God let me find that place this morning. And if this is that place, Father, that You're leading someone to, may their answer be yes, just like Jacob's. In all of these things, Father, it is Your hand that, that, that works in our lives. It is not the words of a pastor. It is Your Holy Spirit who does that work. And I pray, Father, that You would help us to go ahead and rely on You and listen to You right now. For Jesus' sake and for your glory alone, we pray. Amen. Stand together, church. It is tradition in our church that at the closing of this portion of the worship service that we go ahead and have a song. During that song, if you are sensing God's leadership for your next step in Him, I'd love to pray with you about it during this song. You simply make your way here and God will attend your every step. Let's sing together as we do. Come.